Hello, everybody. Tom and Keith with you. And a reminder, uh, as we always do, that the Dunlap Champions Club should be on your must-see, must-do list. Perhaps it already is. And uh, to those of you who uh, have already purchased your tickets, we say thank you. But you should get on board. It's a great football experience. Your food is covered. Uh, you've got shade. You've got AC. It's, just a, it's a great social experience, but it's a great way to watch the game. Dunlap Champions Club, very good to us because they bring you the Sunday edition of Front Row Knowles, uh, commercial-free, along with our main sponsors, Prime Meridian Bank and Hobson Chevrolet. And, and I go back to your point. If you've not ever been there, you got to go at least once. You'll be hooked. A better way to do it might be to try the three-game ticket package, uh, which includes Virginia Tech, Florida, or Clemson, and then two of the other four remaining home games. But however you want to shake it down, uh, it is an experience that, that, that's worth enjoying to uh, take in Florida State football. That's the Dunlap Champions Club. Get on board. 644-1830, the number to call. 644-1830. And without further ado... Sunday edition of Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles, Seminole Sunday with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Front Row Knowles, uh, the morning after, the day after, if you will. Tom and Keith with you. Normally, the show will come your way 8 o'clock on Sunday mornings, and it's uh, an immediate recap, really, just after the game. Keith and I sit down and do this. Uh, in this particular case, because of the holiday and the short week, you're hearing it uh, in evening time. But that said, uh, no matter when you're listening to this, Keith, certainly not news that you want to hear. You know about it now. It was uh, inauspicious, as putting it kindly. It was, it was not what Florida State wanted at all in terms of Monday night at Doe Campbell Stadium. Disappointing, I guess, is the biggest word that comes to my mind. At least it has the most letters in it. Uh, this did not look like uh, a Florida State, particularly on offense, did not look like the Florida State offense that I had in my mind that we would see uh, on Labor Day night versus Virginia Tech. Uh, they never got into a rhythm. Seemed like there was a lot of looking and not running plays. They didn't get lined up quickly. They didn't snap the ball quickly. It just seemed to be out of out of sorts. Uh, as we get farther along in the show, we'll talk about turnovers and field position, and certainly that's why the score was as lopsided as it was. But from the very first drive and uh, continuing throughout the ball game, uh, this did not look like the Gulf Coast offense that uh, we were led to believe we would see. Obviously, work ahead and, and much work yet still to be done uh, in order to get uh, Taggart's offense where he wants it. Well, and I think to be fair, it's a complete system overhaul on a lot of teams that, that make this change. Really, it's year two till you're humming at the speed you want to hum. It's not game two. I mean, it's going to get better as the season goes on. Uh, so, you know, check back next year and we'll see if they're if they're at the pace that they want to go at. But I would agree. To me, it seemed as if the team, I, I don't want to say they were, it wasn't that they were tight. It was just that... Um, Almost they were trying too hard to, to, to make big plays or key plays instead of focusing on fundamentals at times, and so things just got uh, out of whack. One of the things that does happen, you and I haven't talked about this much, but uh, does happen with teams is when, when you allow the kids to be um, happy and, and not completely under the thumb and not uh, micromanaged uh, like they unfortunately were in the prior regime, there is a human nature tendency that you don't necessarily focus on all the tight details. And I thought you might have seen a little bit of that. That's something that can easily be cleaned up by the staff. So that's a that's a minor criticism. But the kids uh, had a great camp. Uh, they worked hard, uh, but they didn't appear to have the, the precision and the same type of laser focus 
that you would associate if you had had them under brutal conditions and, and everything under the thumb and you had been stressing the importance of taking care of all the, the I's and the T's. Uh, when you let kids play a little freer, a little looser, there's a human nature tendency that they may not focus on the on the little things as much. But I don't think, I think that was a very minor problem in the ball game against Virginia Tech. And it's something that can be quickly uh, addressed if, if Willie feels like it needs to be. Yeah, that was going to be my point. It's just a matter of finding where the, where the happy medium is to say, okay, you can be loose to this degree but you have to know in your mind this is what you have to do and once you figure that out that that part works 24-3 was the final score as Keith said and if you're familiar with this uh, version of the show uh, different than what we do on Wednesday nights this is just an immediate recap and so we'll uh, spend one segment uh, talking offense one segment sp- uh, talking defense and then from there, we'll, uh, we'll start looking ahead. But uh, for now, this is just kind of the, the general overview. And uh, rather than me continue to talk at uh, this point, let's take a listen to what uh, Head Coach Willie Taggart had to say. This audio is courtesy of Seminoles.com, and this was in the aftermath of Virginia Tech's 24-3 win last night. Willie, was there any indication in practices leading up to today that you would see some of the things that happened out there tonight? Uh, not at all. Uh, I had seen this the entire training camp. Um, Again, we had a really good training camp. I got had a really good week of practice, and I was expecting for us to have a really good ball game. But um, I told our guys at the beginning of the week and all week long, uh, most of these games aren't won. They lost. And a lot of these games lost in the first game with, with silly penalties and turnovers, and we did exactly what we preached not to do. Uh, we turned the ball over and, and uh, penalties and then get a, a punt block. Uh, it's, it's hard to beat a good football team when when you play sloppy that way. As you said, nobody expected this. What were the reactions you were getting from players during the game and at halftime? And did anything concern you? Or I guess how did they handle the adversity? Um, we didn't handle the adversity well. Uh, we had a lot of adversity tonight. We didn't handle it the way that um, I thought our team will. Um, we had some guys that was encouraging teammates on the sideline. And we had some guys frustrated, um, wanting to make plays and, and wanting um, to do a better job, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And again, our guys just rather than pouting and, and, make, and being upset, we got to go out and make plays. You know, we have those opportunities, and we didn't do it. Again, it was it was on us. You know, we we throw the ball down there in the red zone, and we didn't take care of our business. Again, that was on us. There's been so much positivity around the program since you took over. Does this put a damper on it at all? Um, I think it does a little bit. Um, again, whenever you lose, we don't like losing. So you lose, um, of course, it's a little damper, but it's not the end of the world. we got to get back to work and, again, get that momentum back on our side. And the only way you do that is uh, get back to work and go win a ball game. And we got another opportunity on Saturday, and uh, we got to put this behind us, a 24-hour rule, and uh, move on. Uh, the defense got to a rough start. Uh, how did you feel like they played from that point on? Well, I thought um, they, that first drive they had down there, um, they say we didn't like the first drive, but I thought after that they bounced back. And uh, I think they only got three after that. It was probably like the turnover that we had, so they were down there. But I thought our defense did enough to win the ball game except that last touchdown where we missed a lot of tackles. Um, you take that away, I thought they did enough to win the ball game for us. Again, we on the offensive side of the ball, just didn't take care of our business. Well, you, you, you've had your share of holes in your career, mm-hmm. and you've never been one to get discouraged. Do you understand tonight if fans are discouraged? Come on. Of course I understand that. When you lose, everybody's upset. You know, and no one's more upset than I am. I'm upset, too, and I'm upset that we didn't get it done for our fan base. We didn't do it, get it done for each other. 
but you know, I'm not going to sit around and blame anyone. Uh, we got to get back to work and, and make it and make it happen, and we will. What are you going to look for um, from these guys over the next 24, 48 hours? One thing I was I was encouraged by is I saw a lot of guys ticked off in the locker room, a lot of guys crying and, and upset, and um, so I know it, it hurt them, and uh, and it should. When you, when you lose a game and you don't play well, it should. But um, uh, we'll see how guys come back and respond. You know how they come in and and watch the film and, and want to get better. It's a short week. We got to do it um, quick. But the uh, big thing is that we stay together. And our guys understand that that's something we, we must do is stay together and lean on each other. And more importantly, like I told them, no need to put your head down because we did it to ourselves, you know, um, against a good football team. And so no need to pick your head down. You've got to get back to work and make sure we don't make those same mistakes again. So Coach Taggart obviously uh, disappointed. And he, he shouldered the blame for it. I mean, uh, as he should. He knows that uh, there's – I guess the, the biggest takeaway – well, two things here, Keith, and, and we can get into this. But – especially against a team like Virginia Tech, you're not going to get a punt blocked and turn it over five times and not be able to run the football and come out with anything other than the result that Florida State came out with. Um, that said, a lot of the mistakes were self-inflicted, it felt like. I mean, there was a point, to me, even in the second quarter, you know, Florida State didn't start quickly on offense, but then they moved the ball a little bit and couldn't finish in the red zone. It just felt like if they could take the top off the champagne bottle, that everybody would relax and that the points would come. And I thought they got there on the Nooney murray play. And uh, as I'm recording, as we're talking, I haven't seen the replay on this, but uh, other than the big board in the stadium, I thought he was in. Obviously, it didn't get reviewed, and it is what it is. But it just felt Felt like they couldn't get over that hump, and had they, it, it would have it would have gone smoother from there on out. I think you're exactly right because I think everything associated with any criticism we have is all from the shoulders up. It's all mental, uh, focus, uh, determination, understanding situations, uh, and at the same time, I think we do have to give some credit to Virginia Tech. You know, Florida State held them to about 40 yards of total offense in the second quarter. But they came out at halftime and were able to put some things together. More importantly, they used their punt game. They had nine punts in the ball game. They used that punt game to keep Florida State backed up. I think FSU had four or five possessions in the third quarter alone inside their own 15. That alters your play calling. That makes everything different. You're trying to protect against the big mistake. Uh, you're not as aggressive. I get all that. Uh, and uh, you need to give Virginia Tech a little bit of credit, particularly in their kicking game and particularly in the management of field position, uh, because they were able to force Florida State to be a little more conservative than I think Coach Tiger would have liked to be if, if the field position had been different. Not only did they back Florida State up, but it was fair catch after fair catch. D.J. Matthews, he caught the ball, which is something that we, we didn't see consistently last year, not from him, but just in general out of the punt returner position the last couple of years. He did that, but there was no chance for a return there to flip the field, and so they were just uh, com completely backed up throughout. We can talk about this more in the defensive segment. I thought, and this is an oversimplification, but the first drive of the game, Tech went 75 yards. Defense just didn't have its sea legs. They found their sea legs, played pretty well through the second and third quarter, and and I thought they just lost focus after the drive when and Cam Akers' long run when Florida State failed to convert in the red zone there. Then it sort of became a little bit of hero football to me. It felt like guys were not as fundamentally sound. They were trying to strip the ball, and ultimately that drive ends with the long touchdown pass where several tackles were missed. 
Well, and 14 points is basically what the defense gave up. Uh, the other uh, three points was on field position and, of course, the block punt for the touchdown. And I agree with you. And, and again, that's the nature of being behind in a ball game when you're down two or three scores into the third quarter and into the fourth quarter. You know, you, you human nature is such that you start wanting to make plays. And, again, on that long touchdown reception and run, there were four or five missed tackles, and, and, and most of them, if not all of them, are directly resulted to kids trying trying to get their hands on the ball. Still got to get the guy down. I understand the fundamentals involved, but you can also, uh, it's not a rationalization, but it's under understanding, particularly on a, on a first game of a new regime, that uh, that's an area of emphasis. So we'll talk about that. We'll focus on that. It'll be a, a topic of conversation during practice, and that will probably not ever happen again. Florida State uh, loses the opener 24-3. to uh, no time to lick wounds. Uh, Coach Taggart called it a 24-hour rule. They don't even get 24 hours this week because it's a shortened week. You play on Saturday, a game that will kick at 720 against uh, Samford. Uh, all in all, a disappointing uh, result, but uh, I do still feel pretty strongly about what Coach Taggart is doing, and, and things will get turned around and point in the right direction, but uh, we'll continue to dissect this as this program moves along. Thanks to uh, the fine folks at Prime Meridian Bank, by the way, for being sponsors as uh, they've brought this back your way again. And, and as I mentioned earlier, this show will normally air at 8 a.m. on Sundays after a Saturday game as compared to when you're hearing it today on Tuesday. We made, we made arrangements for the holiday. How about that? Well put. Do you want to talk defense or offense in the next segment? Let's go offense. That's probably where we need to start, and we'll do that when Front Row Knowles continues. Front Row Knowles, Seminole Sunday, is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Tom Block, Keith Jones with you. Florida State Falls 24-3. Keith, if you just looked at the numbers, uh, meaning the, the, the yardage, you, you wouldn't uh, necessarily think that would be the score. Florida State actually outgained Virginia Tech 327 to 319 yards. But if you dig deeper, it was a complete struggle. And like any offense, it starts with being able to run the football. And Florida State couldn't run the football in Virginia Tech. If you take out the 84-yard Cam Akers run, uh, then you know what happens to those numbers and particularly to the rushing yardage. Again, I go back to what we talked about in the first uh, segment. I never felt like the offense found any rhythm at any point during the ballgame. They, they seemed to labor. Uh, they didn't seem quick and efficient. Uh, we weren't allowed to witness the, the two scrimmages during fall camp, but everything that we had heard was that uh, you know they were getting to the line, they were snapping the ball, there was just a minimal amount of time between snaps. That just wasn't the case at any extended period of time during the ball game against Virginia Tech. And, of course, um, the turnovers are big. Uh, you had a couple fumbles that were key. Um, one of them when you were backed up that uh, allowed – when you were going in for a score, rather, that, that took literally took points off of the board. And then I thought a, a couple of the interceptions that uh, were thrown, one of them was a great play by the safety, one of their freshman safeties, by the way. And the other one was a ball that was tipped at the line of scrimmage and was intercepted by a defensive lineman. So you can't necessarily put those on uh, Francois' shoulders squarely. Um, they all, they also came late in the game when it was obvious you're going to be throwing, and so the deck's kind of stacked against you there. there. There's no question. But, again, I go back to the first quarter and the first two, three, four drives. I just never felt like the offense found their rhythm or were comfortable in what they were doing, and we had been led to believe, and maybe our expectations were too great, that that had been something that was very noticeable in the scrimmages, and that would not be an issue once they came out. Now, you are playing Bud Foster. 
and he's one of the great defensive minds uh, in, in the country uh, in defensive coordinator uh, for Virginia Tech. So there were some things that they had to say about it, but it was a young secondary. Uh, their linebackers were inexperienced. Uh, maybe the maybe the uh, thought process was inflated and and you know as you like to say we were all drinking the Kool Aid and got a little ahead of ourselves. But I did think that uh, the first quarter uh, was remin- was was indicative of how Florida State struggled throughout the whole ball game, uh, even when the score wasn't out of hand. Well, that first quarter, I mean, four plays, ten yards, then six plays, sixteen, and then this is this is the point where I thought they were starting to get a little more comfortable. Nine plays, sixty-four yards. That was the missed field goal, which that's not something that Aguayo's done. That's that's another point, by the way. The special teams were not good for Florida State uh, in this game, uh, and then twelve plays, sixty-five yards, and you wind up getting points on the board and you get the field goal there. But really, they should have had ten points after those two drives. I mean, that's a makeable field goal for Aguayo. I agree with the decision there. I don't, I don't have it in front of me, but it was it wasn't as if it was fourth and two. It was uh, it was a makeable field goal and it was a long enough distance that you're not going to go for it on that fourth down. Uh, but then the Nooney Murray play, it really looked to me like he got in the end zone. And so, you know, there's two ways you could have attacked this. And again, Keith and I are talking right now. I'm sure that Coach Tagger was asked about this in the postgame. Um, and we're reacting having not heard that that uh, his answer to that. But you could have either slowed down. Uh, what I think what they tried to do is hurry up. They got a false start, but you're hurrying up trying to take advantage of Virginia Tech not being set. But in so doing, there wasn't enough time for the replay officials to make a determination. So you can either A, slow down there so they get more time, or B, take a timeout or, or, or challenge it. Yeah, and however, but this offense is designed, and, and you and I have been at practice and we've seen them do it. When they've made a big play, not a scoring play, but a big play, they want to immediately get to the line of scrimmage and make a call which is exactly what they did. So they did exactly what they'd practiced, what you and I'd seen them practice, and then they got the procedure penalty and that backed it up. So it was instead of being, uh, you know, first and a half a yard or first and a yard, it was first and five and a half or six. And and that just got them out of sync all over again. Uh, there's also the danger and, and part of the reason, and, and I, I had the opportunity of watching it, th- there's also a question of whether Nooney fumbled that ball. With his, with his knee down before the ball came out, did the ground calls, the fumble. I mean, if you challenge that play or take a timeout to slow it down, there's also the reverse side of that. Uh, and I'm, you know, I don't know who, who does what up in, in Coach Taggart's booth, but I can understand why they wanted to go with what they normally do after a big play, and they, they failed to execute it correctly, and you don't want to take your chances with the replay official. Well, that's certainly a fair point, and you're up in the booth uh, as the game unfolds. I'm down on the field, and so uh, as as I always tell people when they ask, being on the field is great to see how big they are, how fast they run, how hard they hit. But it's not a great angle to truly uh, see. You know, I'm looking at the big board, or I'm 50 yards away. Looked to me like he crossed the line, but I know there was concern, and that would be a reason that you wouldn't want to review that and you'd want to hurry. Um, Speaking of, of trying to take advantage of a big play, Virginia Tech, what felt like conveniently had guys stay down after almost every big play Florida State hit there was an injured Virginia Tech player was that coincidence or was that intentional I'm not going to say that it was intentional uh, because I don't know uh, and I don't want to besmirch is that a good word Uh, the integrity of the uh, it was it was curious though it was very curious because it happened every time. It happened every and it, and it, and if it, if they were doing it, they didn't even communicate well because one play, two of them went down. So, if you want to take the conspiracy theory 
that that's what they were doing. Uh, that's your call. I'm not going to make that call. Uh, but it was curious and it was of enough frequency that it gave pause. After the game, I had a t- chance to uh, talk to Florida State senior tailback uh, Jacques Patrick, who ran hard, uh, did the most that he could with the uh, limited opportunities that he got. And uh, here's the comments, and here's that conversation with Jacques Patrick. Jacques, obviously, I know there's a lot of disappointment uh, to go around tonight, certainly not the way you wanted to start the new era. It seemed like the team was maybe antsy or trying to do too much early on, and Virginia Tech got the lead, and, and from there you could just never get things going. But uh, you know, how would you characterize what, what's most disappointing to you in, in the way things started tonight? You know, we had a lot of self-inflicted wounds. You know, and, uh, we turned the ball over, you know, too much for our liking. You know, and when you turn the ball over, you know, that's it's hard to overcome those type of things. So you know, they capitalized on you know, tip heads off, hats off to Virginia Tech. You know, uh, they played well. They played well tonight. Second half in particular, the field position was, I mean, it was just completely tilted against you. I don't have it in front of me, but you started at the the 12, the 7, the 1, the 5, you know, four or five possessions in a row. How much did that take away your offense? Oh, uh, well, when it, it, those type of things happen, you know, it limits the, the play calling, you know, when you backed up, you know, um, in that type of field position, you know, so you, you limit your play calling, so you only limit to so many things you can call, and, then, you know, uh, you know, they, they, they put us in those positions on uh, the Virginia Tech. You know, they, they won the field position battle, and they got us there. You know, they played well, sound, pass off to them. Could never get the running game on track tonight. Why was that? I feel like, you know, it was, it was times the game running ain't up going. But, you know, uh, like I said, they played well tonight. They had a good game plan for it. You know, obviously, they do, you know, coming to the game, you know, what we had at running, the time we had at running back. So, obviously, you know, probably that was probably the game plan to stop the running game. They did what they had to do. How do you walk away from this knowing that you got another game in five days? I mean, you guys are fully invested in Coach Taggart and his system, and I know there was a lot of anticipation for tonight, and certainly you'd rather go out on your right foot than what this is. But either way, you got to get ready to play a game again on Saturday. For me, you know, I I see it like this. You know, a couple of years ago, Virginia Tech beat Ohio State, and Ohio State went on and ran, ran the table and won a championship. You know what I'm saying? Why can't that be us? You know what I'm saying? It's, just, it's one game. You know what I'm saying? That's the first game is a important game, but, you know, we got to move on from that. We can't let it be a snowball effect, you know, and it's just, you know, at me as a, I'm, as my part of the team, you know, I'm going to try to keep guys motivated. You know, no guys got their head down. We still believe in, you know, what Coach Tiger got planned for us. You know, we, we believe in everything, you know, just unfortunately we couldn't come up with that W tonight. Final question for you. I know you, you know, we're not at practice. We can't see it. And tonight's probably certainly not an accurate representation, but what's this offense capable of? Because today, you know, obviously things didn't go the way you wanted. It's capable of a lot, you know. Um, we got, we got, uh, we, we understand time I'm going to tell you, though. You're going to see, you know, uh, it's just unfortunate, you know, we can um, do the things that we need to do to uh, pull out the win tonight. But, you know, this offense is capable of a lot, and we're going we gonna to see as the season move on. Thanks to Jacques Patrick uh, for his comments. Obviously, not the way he wanted to start his senior year. He, he ran hard, though. Seven carries for 40 yards. And uh, looked a little Greg Jones-esque on a couple of those runs up the middle, kind of carrying three or four defenders with him. Had some uh, receptions out of the backfield, two or three catches that I recall. A couple of those were for negative yardage because of the way they got set up. But uh, he was somewhat busy. Uh, I think, uh, and you had commented during the ball game, it looked like Cam was laboring a little bit. I don't know that if it was a nick or an injury or a bruise. Uh, he did get his ankles retaped uh, almost immediately before that long uh, run, so maybe we need to retape his ankles at the beginning of every quarter. I don't know. But uh, it just didn't seem fluid. Neither one of them seemed to, to find their groove, as it were, uh, and, and Florida State struggled running the ball because of it. Cam Akers did finish with uh, 82 yards, but uh, again, when you have a long of 85, 
and then you finish with 82 yards, that kind of tells you how the other 13 carries went on the night. And that's let, let's be fair, Virginia Tech – Bud Foster, you mentioned it. They they did a nice job because Florida State just could not they they could not win first down on top of the the turnover issues, the special teams, and kind of the hidden yardage things that go to Virginia Tech. Florida State couldn't win first down. The one thing offensively, and we'll probably talk about this more in the fourth and final segment and a wrap up. But Florida State had some opportunities, I thought, to take some long shots down the field uh, over through the air uh, when they were one on one. I mean, on island one on ones. Uh, they had nine people in the box, and safeties walked up, and and the corners on both sides were man-to-man with Florida State's wide receivers. Took a couple of shots, uh, but probably should have, in retrospect, taken more, uh, and certainly that was an opportunity that got away from them. Florida State uh, falls, and it was a disappointing opener, no question. The defense, uh, in my opinion, played better than I anticipated. Keith, you're going to say they were right what you expected, and uh, we'll, we'll have that side of the conversation. We continue on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles, Seminole Sunday, is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, uh, Tom and Keith with you again. And, uh, KJ, again, thanks to uh, Prime Meridian Bank for being on board once more. They are, they're with us on Wednesdays as well. If you're not aware, Wednesdays at 6 is when our normal show comes your way. But uh, we do this show after each and every game. Normally it will air at 8 a.m., on Sunday mornings. KJ, uh, defensively, first drive wasn't good for Florida State. Uh, it wasn't quite the last drive. Maybe it was the penultimate drive when uh, Virginia Tech scored that last touchdown with several broken tackles. But uh, but in between, it, it, was, it was pretty good football by FSU's defense. Normally in the first game of the year, you would credit uh, the offense for uh, executing well and your defense uh, getting their legs, I think is how you refer to it. But yeah, after that first drive, Florida State performed very well in the first half. I think the only disappointment uh, is that uh, they didn't they didn't win first downs. Tech was able to rush for, for yardage and stay ahead of the sticks on first downs. And secondly, particularly when in the second half when Florida State really needed it, uh, there were a couple of opportunities on some fumbles uh, where the ball was on the ground and FSU was unlucky and wasn't able to cover them up for a recovery. I think they forced four fumbles total against Virginia Tech. The Hokies were able to uh, corral all four of those, so there was no turnover. Uh, but failure to make some, uh, create some turnovers and, and not winning on first down would be the two criticisms I would have. But overall, I thought the defensive performance was good enough to win. Yeah, you look at the stretch after 75-yard drive for a touchdown for Virginia Tech. Uh, well, then they had a short field, six plays, 23 yards. They got a field goal. But then after that, you had a six-play, 38-yard drive resulted in a punt, four plays for a yard, four plays, 23-yard punt, uh, then the block punt. But then you get into the second half, I think it is, three plays, no yards, three plays, six yards, six plays, 17 yards. Now, some of that, Virginia Tech had a lead, so they could be a little bit conservative there in the third quarter as well. Um, I thought Virginia Tech had a nice plan. I mean, really, they threw on – running downs, if you will, on first down a couple times. And they also were not afraid to challenge Florida State's best corner in Levanta Taylor, who got beat for the touchdown. And the, and the refs early on, and, and really throughout the game, they were letting the receivers and DBs uh, be physical with one another. Awful lot of hand-checking back and forth. Uh, there was not a single defensive pass interference call that I recall. There was only the, the obvious and blatant offensive pass interference call against Virginia Tech. But you're exactly right. They did let them play. Um, and, and I thought... Uh, that Tech, and I think you probably couched it correctly, they, they, they confused Florida State, or at least went against their tendencies. Um, they throw a, quite a number of slants, and then uh, they'd come back, and then they throw the ball, the deep ball. 
And you were right, particularly on the first quarter, they were not afraid to go against Taylor. They did beat him for that one touchdown. I think they had one over completion of some of some significance that Taylor was in a good position. The receiver just made a great catch. Recall too that the receiver they the receiver they went to. I don't recall his name. He's a transfer student. Uh, so he's older. He set out last year, so Florida State has no tape on him. Uh, and he came in this year, and he performed very well, and that's to his credit and to the Tech's staff for creating uh, plays where they could use him because they lost their top three pass re- receivers from last year. Uh, so it was not expected that uh, Thomas would have a, a significant number of people he could throw to, uh, but that turned out to not be the case. Damon Hazelton is the receiver. He played at Ball State a couple years ago. I thought also – uh, and again, this is this is something that Virginia Tech does well. I, I, I'm thinking back; it might have been the we're going way back now, but the ACC championship game that Virginia Tech won over Florida State. They kept running the same. It, it felt like a pick play because it was again and again and again. Uh, but it was well executed, well designed, and and they and they got it right. What I saw last night wasn't pick plays, but it was receivers who were physical and holding their blocks, particularly early on, that opened up those bubble screens. Very much so, and they they went to the bubble screen early and had success with it. Florida State countered, particularly on the first couple of drives, and FSU's receivers were just horrible at at protecting the recipient of the of the bubble screen. Those plays ended up in losses, but Virginia Tech's receivers very physical. Uh, obviously, when the ball is thrown behind the line of scrimmage, there's not a lot of chance of having uh, pass interference. You can lock up that defensive back as long as you're not holding him. You can lock him up, and as long as you stay with that block, that's that's perfectly legal. There's no issues there. And then they came back with those slants, not a pick play, but a slant, uh, and they just used their physical size and, and, uh, and a couple times made some really, really good catches. Leading tackler for Florida State was Hamza Nazaraldine, who we saw his athleticism a year ago when he arrived at Florida State. Had 11 tackles, which, uh, you know, that's good. The downside is if you're at the back end of the defense and you're leading the team in tackles, that's not necessarily where you want to have that that leading tackler. But uh, I talked to him after the game, and here's that uh, that conversation with Hamza. Hamza, I know it's a, a disappointed locker room uh, tonight, but from a defensive standpoint, you win it as a team, you lose as a team. But but for, for the most part of that game, the defense played pretty well. Uh, the first drive maybe was an exception, so let's start there. They they went 75 yards and, and were able to get the, the, the score, and then you guys kind of settled in. What happened on the first drive, and then what happened after that that uh, you guys were able to you know force some punts and, and get the ball back to the offense? Um, on that first drive, you know, they came out and they did – they pretty much did everything that we've been preparing for them to do. We just, we probably really had to see them do it, not like see them do it live and versus how we'll do it in practice versus looks. And once we got used to it and got adjusted, we started playing better, I feel like. How comfortable are you with the, the new system at this point? I mean, that was game number one under a new defensive coordinator. And so even though you went through spring and you've gone through fall, I mean, until you're out there, you know, under the gun, it's it's a new deal. You know, I felt comfortable in it. One thing Coach Barnett always will make sure is that when we go out there, we understand what we're doing. He don't want to send us out there confused. So, you know, before the games, he'll make sure everybody understands all the calls and, you feel me, go through all the signals and stuff. So we're very comfortable out there. We just just got to make the plays all the time, not some of the time. Reflecting back, and I know you haven't looked at tape yet, where do you feel like the defense, you know, did a nice job tonight, and, and where do you think maybe there's some room for improvement? For the most part, we capitalize on play opportunities, but – we gotta. We definitely, as a defense, gotta work. We gotta get the ball. You gotta create turnovers, and we gotta still improve on tackling. We did a good. We did a pretty good job, but we gotta. We gotta secure tackles. 
Well, you had 11 tackles yourself to, to lead the team tonight. I know that's a little consolation given the final score. So, uh, you know, what, what's the overall takeaway is you have to, you know, whether you'd won this game 24 to 3 or lost it 24 to 3, you got to turn the page and get ready for the next one. So, uh, how, how do you make sure that, you know, we're just one game in and people keep plugging along? Win, lose, or draw, we still got to show up to work the next day. So, I mean, honestly, this give us more motivation going into the week. You definitely can't get complacent after a loss. So, we got to go into this week ready to work and ready to change, keep improving because we can't we can't keep this up. We got to win next week. He played well. Obviously, uh, Brian Burns had a sack and a half. Uh, Woodby, I think, was the second leading tackler, and this is uh, before the coaches grade the tape when those numbers might adjust a little bit. Uh, he, by the way, I I, I passed him briefly on, on my way in for post game, and he seemed completely fine. So I don't know what the issue was at the end of the game, but I think he's going to be okay. But uh, who else? Uh, you know, look promising, and, and, and where is there room for improvement, Keith? Well, I thought the defensive line, it took them about uh, two or two and a half quarters to find themselves. Uh, I, di I didn't think the defensive tackles played particularly well in the early part or first half of the ball game because uh, Virginia Tech was getting that push. Uh, and I think that's something that Odell Higgins and the staff can go back and, and point to on tape. Uh, I'm, I'm confident that that issue is, is very correctable. But uh, it didn't appear that uh, they they were accomplishing what we had seen them accomplish again during the scrimmage or heard that they accomplished during the scrimmages. I was disappointed that the Kalen Brooks did not dress and was not able to play. And, of course, with the way the ACC is doing injuries now, even though we're part of the, of the radio crew, uh, we're not even being told you know, what the issues are. So we're limited in, in being able to tell you, well, here's the reason why he wasn't there. But DeKalen was scheduled to start uh, and did not dress. Uh, and uh, as of the time we're taping this, I still don't have an answer to that. And maybe we won't uh, until later in the week, if at all. But that being said, whoever is out there, uh, particularly in the interior part and in the linebacker core, uh, we've got to see some increased play, a little better play against the run. We did see that a little bit uh, in the second half where linebackers were shooting some gaps and they ended up with some tackles for loss. Obviously, you can pull the Virginia Tech tape and show our kids what the Virginia Tech defense did because I think uh, Tech ended up with 14 tackles for a loss which is the reverse of our offensive line not playing well and maybe decisions on the RPO not being exactly like they need to be. But, uh, you know, th there's plenty of room for improvement, but I'm confident that that improvement can take place. How much, and I don't have a feel for this, I tried to keep an eye on it, but uh, how was Marvin Wilson every other series? Was he every third series? I feel like I didn't see him as much as what I thought I might. Uh, you didn't see him. Gene Deckerhoff made the comment to me after the ball game that there was two guys that he doesn't remember calling their name very often, if at all, and that was Christmas and 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 Wilson. And uh, you need to be calling those big guys' names frequently if you're going to stop uh, the opponent's run game. Yeah, I know Wilson was in there a little bit, and Kando got in there in some third down situations. So. Uh, Stanford Samuels too, another guy that was that was nicked up. Uh, but everybody's got guys that are nicked up, you know. And uh, I, I would agree that early on Virginia Tech won at the line of scrimmage, uh, and then Florida State again. I use this expression, found its sea legs and and started to level the playing field, so to speak. And it's just so difficult. You can't imagine, particularly in a game. Uh, you know, this this is a big game. It's a it's a conference game. Uh, you're you're on Labor Day night. Uh, it's uh, it, there are no other competing games. Everybody's watching. Uh, you're a young team. 
so you got kids that haven't been in that situation before, and you began this uh, show talking about maybe there was a little bit of an angst or of trying a little too hard. Uh, we we don't know. We're removed from judging that. We don't know how the individual kids react to it. I know um, Willie made a comment in his uh, press conference this week that uh, basically I'm paraphrasing. He said, but, you know, the spotlight does strange things to different people, and it re- it causes people to react maybe differently than they normally would when they're under that spotlight. And uh, these kids hadn't been under that spotlight, many of them, and learning to how learning how to do that is also part of the growing up process. Uh, so let's hope that uh, there'll be some learning, steep learning tur- curve overcome uh, as they get ready for Samford. Let's continue that thought process in our next segment as we roll on here on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles, Seminole Sunday, is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. We'll finish up with this segment. I'll I'll remind you that our regular show comes your way tomorrow night, Wednesday night at uh, 6 o'clock. And uh, we'll continue the analysis of this one, as everybody will. Uh, The good news is, Keith, that uh, instead of having to wait seven days, you only have to wait five days to play somebody. And we'll do that again on Saturday. I wanted to continue that thought, though, uh, that that you made. And and that is simply, since Coach Taggart has gotten here, you've had spring practice and fall camp. You haven't played anybody else. You haven't faced adversity. So really what you were driving at as, as we finished that last segment is, you know, how are you going to respond when you face adversity? And Florida State didn't respond well last night. They did not, but they've got an opportunity now with, what, five-day turnaround to respond to the loss. Uh, so, all right, they didn't do well play-to-play or quarter-to-quarter against Virginia Tech. That's, a young, again, a young ball club. Uh, that's a learned behavior. Uh, you, it, it's, it's not something that uh, you can be taught, per se. Most of the time you have to experience it. And young people being what young people are, you and I were one at one point. Uh, we're stubborn. We don't believe them when they tell us. Uh, so now we're out there. It happens to us. Oh, wow. Yeah, the coaches were right. I've got to redouble my efforts. Uh, I think they'll do that in the five-day span. I think it's also curious, and, and I'm probably examining myself as hard as anybody, but because everything had been so positive for the 200-plus days since Willie was named the coach, I guess we just assumed they'd go out there and win. I, I thought they'd win by a couple of three touchdowns. I was that confident and that what had been said would carry over onto the field. Just one problem. Uh, Virginia Tech is a pretty good ball club. Bud Foster is a very good defensive coordinator. Uh, Coach Valente had his kids ready to play. Uh, you can't just roll your helmets out there and expect victories. Uh, this is a, a very tough league, uh, a very interesting league. Uh, now that we've got the head coaches of the caliber that we do, you've got the programs that are spending the money, recruiting the players, bringing them in, coaching them up. Uh, so this is a great learning experience for this young Florida State ball club. Well, they'll have that that next opportunity uh, against Samford before we before we go there. And I don't know that uh, we're going to preview Samford at all. We probably won't as we finish this up. You mentioned uh, the RPO and decision making there. Uh, DeAndre handed it off more than he kept it, obviously. And uh, you had a better look at that probably and what it looks like from up above than I do on the sideline on some of those. But what were your observations? Well, more importantly, there was no pass option. Uh, we had seen that in some practices, had heard about it in the scrimmages. Uh, we, we saw some other teams over the long weekend uh, do just that, fake that ball into a running back in the middle of the field and then pull up and hit a slant or hit an out. 
Uh, we didn't see uh, that I recall a single play off of that play action uh, in that fashion. Most of the play action was then dropping back or throwing the ball a little farther down the field. Uh, that'll be a, an additional part of this offense that DeAndre's got to get comfortable with or Blackman when he's in there that uh, might have come in handy had they tried it or been confident enough to do it for whatever reason they didn't. Uh, but certainly that'll be something we look to be added to. What about north-south instead of east-west in the running game? There's no question that um, uh, we've got to learn to plant that foot and head up field, get those shoulder pads squared against any team in the ACC now. Uh, you cannot run east and west and expect to gain yardage. You have got to make a move, head up field, get north-south, or everybody's going to run you down. That's just a wasted effort, and uh, you're kidding yourself if you think you're going to have much success at it. The only thing I've seen that worked, and Virginia Tech ran it a couple of times, uh, is when you do run the jet sweep or the jet uh, action where your guy that you're flipping the ball to is already wide open. Uh, going east or west, and everybody else is still standing still. Uh, but if you're going to hand that ball off or you're going to run it as a quarterback, uh, uh, that east-west stuff just isn't going to work anymore. Continuing uh, regarding DeAndre, did you expect to see him run more? I didn't expect to see him run more because I thought that they would look and, and he would run when the opportunity presented itself. Uh, so that part didn't uh, surprise me. Uh, what did surprise me is their ability to get on him and, and force uh, you know, some sacks. I think he had nine carries, but I think four or five of those were sack-related. So that means he had, what, four design carries or four carries of his own, uh, plus or minus. Uh, but I, I didn't think they'd run him much because I think they wanted to get his legs underneath him, see how he would respond. He had not been hit the entire fall camp. Uh, you, you just want to take your time with that. Well, it makes sense. I mean, it's been almost a year to the day since he had a pretty horrific knee injury. And, you know, that's kind of been glossed over as he's battled back and done a lot of things right uh, outside of football to, to win that starting job back. Uh, Kalen LeBourne did not get a lot of touches, but the one touch he did get was pretty fun to watch. Well, I guess, too, because on the kick return late in the game, he was tired of just taking a knee and he had a nice spin move on that thing, too. He's got a lot of talent. Uh, he uh, has got a shiftiness to him. Uh, we had the opportunity to uh, honor uh, Peter Warwick uh, with the retirement of his uh, number, uh, excuse me, his jersey, retirement of his jersey in the ball game against Virginia Tech. Uh, I'm not comparing him to, to Pete because I think Pete's standalone, but he had some Pete-ness to him, uh, some PW moves, uh, and that was good to see. I've never seen anybody stop and start and change direction the way Pete could. No, there's there's no question about that. He is He's probably the most gifted open field person um, Florida State's ever seen, but uh, LeBourne has some tendencies to act PW-like, and it would be nice to get his hands on the ball a little more. I don't want to go too far away from the from the game as we wrap things up, but as long as we mention Pete, I, I share this. I, I've shared it before on this show, but uh, he is one of the guys that is back frequently and truly bleeds garnet and gold. And, uh, you know, he was an unbelievable talent when he was at Florida State. Had he not had some off-field issues, he would have won the Heisman that year. Uh, but he's a guy who put those issues behind him and, and really matured, and so it's just fun in the role that I have to see how that's gone. But, uh, you know, he had a ton of family and friends with him last night. Lavernius Coles was back, a guy who was not always back. Snoop Menace was there. And uh, it's just fitting. The night did not turn out the way we wanted on the scoreboard, but uh, good for Pete because he's an elite company. He's one of the all-time greats here. 
He really is. He, he does bleed uh, garnet and gold. He is a true Seminole. He had the opportunity to see LeBourne do some things. Of course, he had the opportunity to see Cam Akers perform. And, and uh, we'll shift gears real quick and talk about our prime Meridian Bank play of the game. And, of course, that was the Cam Akers 85-yard run that completely reversed the field. Florida State, uh, uh, I think, ended up not scoring on that particular play. But Cam showed a great deal of uh, determination and everything. And uh, uh, the prime Meridian Bank uh, play of the game usually exemplifies a lot of things that the bank stands for uh, integrity and uh, performance and uh, if you're interested in checking them out you can visit either their two Tallahassee locations or their newest location down in Crawfordville uh, you can visit them on the web at trymybank.com and uh, they're, they're Tallahassee's hometown bank and they need to be your bank uh, so check them out Prime Meridian Bank. That Cam Akers run was uh, certainly the highlight unfortunately shortly thereafter was a microcosm of the night because Florida State failed to score in the red zone and turned it over in so doing. So, I mean, that, that, was, that was the night in a nutshell. And there's a part of me that says, you know, when you turn the ball over five times and you have a block punt for a touchdown, you're just not going to win the ball game. Uh, but normally those ball games end up being, you know, 31 to 28. Uh, I think the disappointment for me uh, in this particular ball game is that the offense just didn't put the points, any points on the board. Um, and, and that's disappointing because, you know, coming into the ball game, a Taggart offense, whether it was at South Florida or at Oregon over the last four or five years, it averaged something like 37, 38 points a ball game. Uh, you only score three. Uh, that's just disappointing. But a lot of uh, correctable areas uh, certainly wasn't lack of effort. Could be uh, attributed to everybody being nervous for the first game, coaching staff included, because uh, it's their first time at Florida State as well. Uh, you get that under your belt. You learn from it. Uh, you have a short week, uh, which means also the opportunity to come out and rectify some things quicker. And uh, we'll see how they do on Sanford come Saturday. Special teams, Keith, the return game didn't get a chance. Uh, the coverage teams were fine, mainly because Virginia Tech didn't get a chance. Missed field goal. That's disappointing. The punts, too. Now, to be fair to, to Logan, uh, you know, he didn't even have his full 15 yards for half his punts, at least. I mean, it was it was shortened up. One got blocked, but he was he had 11 yards to work with. Well, two or possibly three of his punts, he goes short step. You know, he takes one quick step and then kicks because he's trying to get the ball out. In fact, if you go back and look at the tape, he normally has the three protectors in front of him. There were two or three of those punts. He was so backed up into the end zone that there was only one personal protector in front of him, which means catch the ball and kick it. Not catch the ball, take a step and kick it. Catch the ball and kick it. And uh, when you're backed up like that, you have to. Uh, the block punt, there's just no excuse for. The defender came right between two of those personal protectors. And hats off to Virginia Tech. They made it happen. But there's no way that that punt gets blocked under any other circumstance when people are paying attention because he went right between two people whose only job is to keep everybody out of there. So not a banner night, but you don't have concern overall about the special teams. Not not per se. You know, Aguayo had hit 18 of 19 field goals before he missed that one. He came back and hit the second one. Uh, I, I think Logan, uh, you know, punts the ball fine uh, when he's not backed up, not having to take that quick step. Uh, I do think that the punt return, uh, DJ, is going to have to make some ch take some chances maybe. Although many of those times, you know, when you plant your feet on the 10-yard line, uh, they're kicking the ball with that, that back spin like they do now. Their punter only averaged 33, 34 yards a punt, so it wasn't like he was booming them out of there. Uh, so to be fair, DJ probably didn't have some chances. But at the same time, he's such a talent 
that maybe one or two times when he's backed up, you tell him, don't fair catch this unless they're breathing down your neck and try to make the first group miss uh, and see if we can make something happen. Uh, I'm not overly concerned. Obviously, that's a place where tension can be given. You can make some corrections quickly. Uh, but um, it was disappointing because it just it fed with everything else out there. You just say that FSU's performance uh, on, on Monday night against Virginia Tech was disappointing. Well, on a positive note, Keith, uh, that game, like this show, is over. And we'll do another one tomorrow night. Uh, yeah. Um, it, it's um, trying to get the bitter taste out of the mouth that i got to worry about. 24-hour rule. We're done with it. We're on to uh, Front Row Knowles, our normal Wednesday edition, coming your way 6 o'clock tomorrow night. He's Keith. I'm Tom. We'll talk to you tomorrow.